The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hello, Dr. Ray. Hi, Dr. Ray. How are you? I'm sure I'm going to get really good advice from you. Oh, I don't know about that. You know, I was looking for a deeper answer. You came to the wrong place. So what do I do? Well, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do. This is wonderful advice. This is what I needed to hear. You're right on track with us. You're right on track. Everybody make a mistake. Does that comfort you? No. Am I close? No. You are the best thing that has ever happened to people. Did I make you feel a lot better or what? No, you made me feel worse. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. I get so frustrated when people act all intellectual. They talk about Mozart. They try to squeeze him into the conversation. They've never even seen one of his paintings. Nice to have you with me. I'm back in the studios here in Canton, Ohio, home of Mother Angelica. The Doctor is in is the name of the program. The number for the program is 877. I'll let that register a little bit. 573 let that sink into 7825 make it easy 87757 equal is the number to call if you would like to get onto the program for one of several reasons one situation circumstance person rock paper scissors anything in your life that is flummoxing you perplexing you frustrating you depressing you making you feel helpless that's a big one isn't it got situations you can't do anything about and a lot of those situations are other people. So if you want to call a situation like that, or if you want to offer a thought or two about how you live your life better, generic kind of thing. I know there's a lot of wisdom sitting out there, and I would love to hear it. And it's, it's not all altruistic. I take your wisdom, and I put them in books, and I make money. And I just want to say thank you. Sometimes people call in because they want to help somebody else out. We have a previous caller. Somebody calls in and said, I had that situation. And the implication is, Dr. Ray, you really missed it terribly, so I'm going to correct it. That's fine. I hate when my wife calls and does that. Sometimes people have a generic question. Dr. Ray, party the other night, and an argument broke out. It got rather ugly. It was a family situation. We argued over the meaning of pseudosciesis. And I can understand that. I mean, I've been in a lot of parties where that's that sort of friction breaks out. So if you have a general question, my favorite questions are intersection between faith and psychology. Dr. Ray, if I had more faith, would I be less depressed? Dr. Ray, what does the church teach about using medication to feel better? So, 877 57 equal is the number to call to get on to the program. Now we're going to do a, a final push here. This is, I got to circle back here. Okay. <clears throat> Good Lord permitting, we will be heading to Wichita. Let me get the exact dates on that. I get confused. It's either November 15, 16, or 14, 15. It is November 15, 16. Heading to Wichita to tape the final episodes of uh, Season 13, Living Right with Dr. Ray, the TV show. 
I was out at the uh, Wichita Family Conference, which is a monster conference, huge, thousands of people there. We got a lot of folks signing up there. So all of you who signed up to come to the uh, TV program, we'd love to see you if you would like to get information. Now, those two nights will have shows, I think, roughly 5 and 7 or 5.15, 7.30, and anywhere in there. You can come to one show. You can come to two. You can come to all of them. Please bring the kids. Love to have the kids in the audience. Family show. If you go to Dr. Ray, Dr. Ray, Dr. Ray Show Wichita, Dr. Ray Show Wichita.com, you can sign up and find out. Uh, and hopefully, to bring in some guests that will really pull in the crowd. I mean, we're talking to the, uh, hopefully, some of the folks at the Kansas City Chiefs and those of you in that area. I know you'd come to see Butker or some of their, their, their players who are not ashamed of their Catholicism. They wear it right up front. So, Dr. Ray Show Wichita, drrayshowwichita.com. we got to get the numbers up. We're starting to do the push now. We've got three weeks. This was sent to me by a dear lady. She says, and she, she is from Quebec. I'm going to try to pronounce this. In French, we say, Una image vaut I just butchered the heck out of that. But I think it means uh, it's kind of a sad state. All right. She sent me a map of the U.S. And in this map, it was the cause of death by, by ages from 2000, when the stats were taken there, to 2020. So 20 years later, the change in the year 2001-2002, ages 1 to 17, in every, every single state, the number one cause of deaths was car accidents, except, this is sad, Washington, D.C., homicide, homicide. Same thing in 2020. It changed quite a bit. Ages 1 to 17, there were 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 states where the cause of death was homicide. Number one, number one cause of death. There were 1, 2, 3, 4 states. Suicide, number one cause of death up to age 17. Now we go over to ages 18 to 24. Still in that age group, the bulk of states... Transportation accidents. However, cardiovascular disease. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine state, ten states. Ages eighteen to forty-four. Talk about our diet, huh? And our sedentary lifestyle. Uh, there were about uh, seven states where cancer was the number one cause of death. Ages eighteen to forty-four. Now we jump. Oh boy, this is not pretty. We jump to 2020, 2021, 18 to 44 age group. Oh, wow. The number one cause of death in it looks like, I'm counting this up, about two-thirds of the states, fentanyl and other opioids overdoses. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve of the states. Number one cause of death, eighteen to forty-four. 
suicide. And then there were three states' homicides. Now, ages 45 to 64, pretty soon the physical stuff starts kicking in. Um, From 45 to 64, number one cause of death for almost everybody was... Let me see where that's at. Mostly either cancer or cardiovascular. Uh, 2021, it was cardiovascular was even even more likely. So we're, our lifestyle's catching up to us. And then pretty much 65 and older, all the states, it's cardiovascular, both, both years. Psychologists, sociologists talk about deaths of despair. You know what deaths of despair are? They, they are kind of the main thing in our culture that has actually brought about a regression in life expectancy. It's true. For the longest time, life expectancy kept creeping up. I mean, for, for, for guys, it's like 78, 79. For women, it's in the 80s. It slipped backwards. And that's pretty much due to the fact suicides, overdoses, and homicides. You look at this and you think, what happens to a society when they kick God out? Now, obviously, I'm just describing something here. Some can easily say, well, how does that, what is that relevant to me? I guess it's relevant to you just to understand things, to understand that there are more and more people who, with God not in their lives and with the chaos of their existence and all the other sociological factors that are kicking in, that are, especially in the younger groups, 18 to 44, that are given up. Let's see, uh, 18 to 44 age group, with the exception of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven states. No, sorry. Four, with the exception of four states, the number one causes of death in 46 of the 50 states were either suicide, overdose, Or homicide. As little as 20 years ago, as little as 20 years ago, one state, suicide was number one and homicide was number one. That was D.C. That's it. 20 years. So one might ask the question, what is going on out there? I just hope and pray that people connect dots and say that <clears throat> the modern societal way to live doesn't work. I guess maybe in a tangential way I can offer this to those of you who have watched your children live risky lifestyles as they've gotten into a young adulthood. You gave them an alternative. You gave them something to look back upon the way they were raised, the morals, values, religion they were raised with. If and when they see that the choices and the decisions and the directions of their life is just not working out well, it's a downward slide. And maybe they'll look back and think, Mom and or dad had it right. 
877 equal It's the number to call to get onto the program. Thank you for joining me. I'm Dr. Ray. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. People have this false notion that after the Supreme Court came out with, of course, Roe v. Wade and gave us abortion on demand through nine months of pregnancy, and all of a sudden, all of these regulations were put into place. When all of these independent abortion facilities popped up all over the country when Planned Parenthood started opening its doors and doing abortions legally after 1973, that it was always so safe and wonderful. And they believe this because they don't see these stories about the botched abortions, the women who have lost their lives, the women who have been violated because their information has been tossed out in the street with the garbage and the medical waste, not to mention the fact that the regulations that are on the books are not even enforced and rarely are these facilities inspected, and yet people think that they're so safe. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio, Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern, on EWTN Radio. The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. I went to Las Vegas years and years ago for one of these cable shows. And and I was uh, shocked to see all these old ladies in their 70s and 80s getting off that plane, running for a slot machine. You don't have a chance to win. They're all fixed. I know, my uncle used to have slot machines. (laughs) EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Most important thing for me to remember is that I'm probably going to forget. Didn't forget the number, though. 877-573-7825. Marianne from Michigan was listening to the program yesterday, and there was a situation with the father thinking about letting his adult son and girlfriend sleep in the same bed. I think I remember that. I think mom was against it, but dad didn't want to rock the boat or rock the bed or whatever. Hi, Marianne. How are you? I'm doing great. So you got a solution to that in your place? Well, I guess my point is, you know, um, definitely stand your ground. Um that's the problem nowadays. These parents give in, and then this behavior just continues and becomes norm- more normal. Um, and we had a similar situation, a couple of them. Um, my daughter had um, a boyfriend at the time. Now he's her husband. But they uh, needed to move out from one apartment to another, and they wanted to stay with us for a short time. And Although it killed me, and my husband was like, "No way," we we had to say no. Um, you you guys, Michelle, you can stay here, but um, you know, her boyfriend could not, and so they they opted to do something else, which it all worked out. Um, and I have an older son too. He he has a girl. I had a girlfriend that was long term, and um, they would come from Boston to visit, and um, but he knew. 
He knew that he was not going to be able to stay here and be in the same bed with Cassie. And um, so, you know, I guess he had enough respect for us that he didn't expect us to change um, our morals just for him. Um, so I guess I just want to tell those parents, just stand strong. Um, don't give in. That's the problem with society nowadays. Marianne, and, why um, do you think, you know, why do you think that so many parents in the face of those similar situations yield? What do you think is moving them? Well, I think they're afraid to lose contact with them. Um, they're afraid that then they won't come visit at all. And, um, you know, that might be the price you pay, but, you know, I would still keep the communication open. And um, that's what we did um, with my daughter and her boyfriend. Um, You know, I wasn't going to just say you can't move in and I had nothing to do with her um, because they were living together prior to that. Um, We did keep the door open. Um, And I think that's what parents need to do. And I think by sticking to their morals and what they believe, eventually you hope that the children will realize that and i have noticed that since my kids have gotten older they are coming back around saying oh wow mom dad you were right you know um, why do you suppose you weren't afraid um (laughs) i think i was afraid more than my husband so i just went with his lead because um I, I, I think I may have I may have given in. I don't know. It's hard to say, but he did not want to, and so I respected him. And um, so you were wobbly. You were wobbly on that whole part about I don't want to lose my daughter, right? But your yeah, husband kind of yeah. stood beside you and said, "Nope, nope, we're linking arms yeah. here. We're going to stand strong." Yep. And so I I, I um, went along with him, and I, I was a hundred percent into it once I made that decision, and it was the right decision. Um. But yeah, I'm always wobbly when it comes to my kids. I I have a very very tender heart towards them. So, um and it, that's sometimes my downfall, but um I do it completely because I love my kids to death and uh you know, they were my whole life. So, maybe I'm wired different. And maybe I've had long-time experience with all this. But I There's a part of me that if my kids were going to write me off because of my moral perspective or even my political perspective, if they were going to do that to me, there would be a part of me that would be angry. Not angry to say, get out of my life, but angry to say, you're intolerant and you're ungrateful. Now, I might not say that directly to them. I'm not a real confrontive kind of guy, believe it or not, but... There'd be a component of me that would be resistant to that kind of manipulation. If you don't do what I want, Dad, you're not going to see me. And I've had a lot of parents in those in those situations. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I will agree with that. Um, but you know what? It's their choice. And at the end of the day, I can say, you know, as hard as it was, you know, they made their choice. They knew. You know, how we felt, even though it killed me, it would kill me. And I probably cried many tears about it. 
But at the end of the day, now that they're grown, everybody's married, they have kids, I can say, you know what? I'm glad that my husband made me. Well, you didn't compromise. <laughs> you didn't compromise, Marianne. And no. That's what you did. You didn't no. have to live with your compromise. But you also made my point, which is your children after living a little bit more years of adults, they looked back on mom and dad and said, you know, I think maybe the way they did it had a lot of merit. Marianne, thank you, dear, for the call. I appreciate it so very much. Max from Garden City. It looks like Idaho on that. I just, Garden City, I'm thinking New Jersey, but apparently there is a Garden City in Idaho. Hey, Max, what's up? Hello? Hello there, Max. Yes, there is a Garden City in Idaho, but there's only 12,000 of us, so we're not very famous. <laughs> By the way, you're an ER physician? Yes, sir, a trauma physician. I uh, am recently retired. I retired when I came back to America six years ago. Where were you? China. For how long? Uh, 16 years in China, preceded by six years in India. Were you a missionary? physician franciscan fire third order so you served the people in china and the chinese government didn't keep a close eye on you well obviously you don't go into china wearing your robes and you you let your hair grow out so you don't have a sponsor to give you away and you don't swing a crucifix around saying hi look at me i'm catholic (laughs) (laughs) you don't do that no 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 <laughs> I, have, I am sure you I have, would have some fascinating stories. Uh, yeah, some fascinating, some tragic. Uh, my, uh, I, I guess uh, you know, Mother House kept bouncing me around quietly. The best way you work in medical is behind the scenes and under the radar. You, you, you don't push too hard because you have a service to perform, and both India and China are less than friendly and outgoing to Catholics. I know this is not, and I, I'm going to uh, let you make your point, but I, I am so fascinated and curious uh, across cultures. Did you work as an ER physician in China? Yes, sir, I did for 15, almost 16 years. What was the biggest difference? The SARS. What was the, the biggest, biggest difference, difference be, that you saw between the the patients coming in in China's ERs and those coming in in ours? The patients coming in in China's ER, more more or less, are they don't have that spark of joy in their hearts. Uh, even the ones who are happy, they're not joyful. You understand the difference? With no guiding light they tend to be very robotic, almost like Mr. Spock on Star Trek. And as a result, at least in my opinion, this is why China has such a frighteningly high suicide rate. So you saw more deaths of despair in China than you did in the U.S.? Oh, unbelievably more. Wow. They come in the door, even children, and you look in their eyes and their eyes are empty, and you look at the wounds, and they can lie if they want to, but you can't fool the doctor. These are self-inflicted. And you get, you get a lot of it. With females, it tends to be poisoning. With males, it tends to be oh, usually jumping into traffic. So it's, this you know, is they a, don't have the church. a broad-based mindset that says life is oppressive, 
the government is oppressive. I feel like I'm under a microscope at all times, uh, and I have nothing really to sustain me. Well, exactly. And I mean, here's a good example. In India, your suicide rate, from what I saw, was remarkably non-existent. They are either Jain, or they are Hindu, or any of the other various spin-offs from Jain and Hinduism. But they have a faith. They have a religion. They have a code to live by. Stay there, Max. This- we're we're going to get cut off by the uh, by the break here. Stay right there. I've got a couple more questions I want to pick your brain about, if you, if you would. Is that okay with you? I'd be honored. Thank you. All sir. right, sir. This is Dr. Ray. And now, the EWTN Family Prayer with Father Joseph. Family, a prayer that we pray together is a powerful prayer. So please pray together with me, our EWTN Family Prayer. Today we pray for the caregivers of the sick. O Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we adore you. You have first loved us, and through your Son, you have taught us the excellence of self-giving love. Give to those who are caregivers of a sick parent or child, brother or sister, the assistance of your holy angels. Lessen their burdens and give them great joy in practicing a work of mercy. And since charity is never forgotten by you, reveal to them their heavenly reward. Amen. Whom do we most need in order to say Jesus is Lord? The Holy Spirit. The Catechism says that every time we invoke Jesus, it is the Holy Spirit who draws us onto the path of prayer. And since it is the Holy Spirit who teaches us to pray by recalling Jesus, how can we not pray to the Holy Spirit too? The Church urges us to call on the Holy Spirit continually, especially at the beginning and the close of every important action. And how should we pray to him? The traditional form is to invoke the Father through Christ our Lord to give us the Consoler, the Spirit. The simplest, most direct invocation is, Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful, enkindle in them the fire of your love. The Holy Spirit is the artisan of the living tradition of prayer and the master of interior prayer. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Thank you for joining me here on The Doctor is In. This is Dr. Ray Grandy program Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern Time. Co-production, EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Still growing. Some 400 to 500 stations now. Which makes my listening audience creeping a little bit over 200 people. Not at any one time. Cumulative, you know, for the whole week if you total it up. And Ave Maria Radio Communications with my compadres, Andrew Kruchek, producer man, and Eric Dumont, call screamer. I'm talking to a fascinating individual, Dr. Max, who was six years as a physician in India and 16. 
teen in communist China. He's retired now. And I asked him to compare. Uh, initially, I asked him to compare the, the, the kind of presenting issues, presenting medical concerns. But he noted that there was definitely psychological, emotional, that the folks from China had a demeanor that was dramatically deadened, uh, kind of, he used the word robotic. They were just moving through life with one step in front of the other. And he said he compared that to India, and India has, India is a democratic country, and they have Hindu and Jain as their major religions, whereas in communist China, um, yeah, there's a Catholic church, but it's either underground or controlled by the state. So Max was going to make an observation here that he thought was the main reason for the difference of personality presentation among the Chinese folks compared to the Indian folks. Max, you still there? I'm still here, sir. Roll it. It's all yours, sir. Oh, well, when when you work in emergency response, when you run an ER, you I'm not a psychologist. I'm an MD, but I should be a psychologist because the experience you gain looking into the eyes of young and old, looking into the eyes of dark and light, you pick up immediately. immediately it, it's a spiritual presence that is not there. It's, it's an emptiness. In India, I'd bring an older man in who is suffering from pneumonia, and I look in his eyes, and I see something in there. And I talk to him a little bit. He says, yes, yes. He says, I am Hindu. And we talk a bit about his religion because getting to know him is half of treating him. Now, in China, when they come rolling in the door, if they're smiling, and this is going to sound silly, but if they're smiling, they're up to something. You, you've got you've to gotta be really careful how you question them. There's a T-shirt that says, smile. It'll make people wonder what you're up to. Well, in China, it, it, when they come in like, you know, they're injured, they're hurt, but they're really upbeat, they're up to something, generally something financial. Money is indeed the god of China. I mean, I, I hate to make such sweeping statements because I have many friends and loved ones in China. In fact, I have a Chinese wife now. And What does she think of the U.S.? She's been here now for six years. She says she would never move for any reason. This is the first time she's lived, as we, she says, on the ground. She's always lived 15th, 19th floor. Because in China, 49% of the people, 49% live in the cities mandatorily. And 51% live in the country. Again, mandatory. If you live in the country and you want to move to the city, you have to get travel permits, a work permit, a visa. And the government does this to make sure they can feed the people. But unfortunately, if you're born in Lojadian, a little village, you're going to be born there, educated there, work there, and die there. Something kept you there for 16 years, Max. I guess it's my love of people. I, everyone that comes in is different. Every person you meet is, has a different 
not just issue, but personality. And when you can connect with them, if a physician takes the time to connect with the patient, the patient's chances of healing, repair, or, or having their life saved triple. It goes way up. I, I watch another doctor. I won't name him. He's a real rat. And this patient comes in, despondent, hangdog, and the doctor's treating him, not doing anything about it. This patient had relatively superficial wounds but died of infections four days later. I've had patients worse off come to my table, and I'll chat with them. I'll get their eye attention, make a joke, do something to cheer them up, and talk to them, and very carefully talk to them about leadership beyond the government level. And I have yeah, a much You write very carefully. Way. You write very carefully there, Max. Oh, you better believe you write, read, and speak. In China, you don't go to the barber shop and talk about, oh, that Mr. Trump or that Mr. Biden. You don't talk politics. Nobody talks politics. Because if you say the wrong thing to the wrong person who knows somebody who knows somebody, you'll wake up one morning in a re-education camp in Inner Mongolia. Did you ever, have, you, did you ever have folks come to you very quietly off to the side say, I'm a Christian? Well, one time I did. And I fell for it, and I received a severe beating that damaged my left eye. And I was lucky enough to stay because I was only a white doctor for 45 million people. But who beat, who beat the, you? The police. How the did they police. find out? Did, they, did this person come in and set you up? Somebody came in and set me up. If he's white, he's got a... This is their thought. If he's white, he's Catholic. Automatically, not Baptist, not Mormon. If he's white, he is Catholic. Is that because Watch the Catholics him. are the ones doing the missionary work there? Because they're not afraid. Well, no, no. It's interesting. No, because the Catholic Church in the city of Anshan, small city of six million, where I did my practice, they have two very beautiful Catholic churches, like on the cathedral basis. But they're phony. They're fake. Their, their pastor, their preacher, their, their priest reads from a Beijing-approved and edited manuscript. And there are people salted among them taking names, pictures of license plates on cars. They're very, there are some underground groups that do very well until they get caught. But any visible Catholicism in China is a sham. And that's... And they sent someone I, I in people, to say, I'm Catholic or Christian, and they wanted to see how you'd respond. Well, what they did was, uh, I can say it, I've been out long enough. This little girl, about 10 years old, came in with a, a horrible cut on her left breast. She came in with her mother, and I was working with her, and her mother said to me, she said, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and she did the sign of the cross. And I smiled, and being gullible as I am, I said, amen, and I gave the sign of the cross. That's all it took. They reported That's you. All it took. They reported The next you. patient who came in 20 minutes later came to my desk with a gun in his pocket. Max, you're a fascinating individual. I'll tell you what. I want you to leave your number with Andrew or Eric, if you would, because I think down the road I would absolutely love to get you on the TV show. Is that possible for you? Yes, sir. I'm retired. That is possible. Okay. <laughs> if you would, stay on stay on the line. And, Eric, would you get Max's number? Thank you so much, Max. Heresy is not usually a matter of ignorance. 
It's a matter of arrogance. We're all ignorant. It's only about different things. And when I hear ignorant people say that they're stupid, my heart just breaks. I mean, to be ignorant is not to be stupid. Ignorance is fairly easy to remedy. It's a matter of learning. And St. Paul tells us to increase in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's confident that we can overcome our ignorance of Christ by getting to know him better. And so he prays for the Colossians. We constantly pray that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding and lead a life worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him and to be fruitful in every good work, always increasing in the knowledge of God. Ignorance can be corrected. One has to die to arrogance. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo. John 6, verses uh, 48 to 58. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread, meaning me. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat of it and never die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh, at which the Jews disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They're scandalized by this. How is it that we're not? How is it that we just hear this and go, oh yeah, I know that passage. They're just outraged and at least perplexed. Sane people, inspired teachers, wise men, prophets don't say things like this. We don't realize what we have. We do not realize what we have. And that's the irony and the frustration and the sadness and the tragedy and the ridiculousness of it all is that there are so many who want to throw it away. China has a population of approximately 1.4 billion people with a B, which is about four times ours. A little more than four times ours. And they live under those conditions. Many of them couldn't be Christian if they wanted to be. Interesting. I think that God looking at the 7 billion people plus on the earth has quite a perspective. And my guess would be that a lack of gratitude, a lack of context in what we have would be something that would, if if he were a person, I'm going to use a person word, would displease him. So anyway, I don't want to go on too long, but I could have talked to Max for quite some time. Mary Beth, Mary Beth from Florida. Oh, she had a situation nine months ago, a tough one. Hi, Mary Beth. Hi, Dr. Ray. Um, yeah, it was hard, and um, he was just kind of off the rails, and my husband said, I just don't feel like we can keep him safe at home. Um, sadly, you know, he, he wasn't 
doing anything so much worse than anybody else his age. I mean, he was smoking pot to relieve stress, he said, and we cut, caught him a couple times. Um, he was you know, purposely not coming home at night because he was angry at us, but not because he was partying or anything. Well, that's pretty significant um, when he like just kind of heads out on the street and uh, or wherever he goes and doesn't come home. That's pretty significant. How old was he? Yes, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. How old and, was he, uh, Mary Beth? Very, very difficult. Oh, he was um, 16 at the time. All right. Is he close and, to 18 now? Very, very angry. Yeah. Hmm. Go ahead. So after nine months in an inpatient therapy program, I'm, I'm going to assume it was not an outward-bound kind of program, but it was an actual inpatient therapy, very expensive, right? It was only 45 days. <laughs> okay, okay. So nine months ago for 45 oh, days. Oh, I gotcha, gotcha. Um, I misread that. It was very expensive, and it is kind of, it was more on our side to shake him up, you know, to really be like, look, this is where you're headed. I mean, he, we could have sent him to wilderness. We did not. We wanted to give him a chance at home. We told him when he left that we would bring him home in 45 days, and we kept our word. Um, and, and we worked through it, and it wasn't easy, but we did work through it, and he did wonderful things with his life in the last, since he's been out. I mean, um, school is not his friend. He has a learning disability. He hates classroom learning, always has. It's not where he gets his confidence. Are you saying right now but that he at, is livable at your house? He's not like he was? Absolutely. For very much, for the most part, he is livable. Well, that's good news. My, the reason I'm, yeah, it's wonderful news. And I tell you, it's a lot of prayer. It's a result of enormous amounts of prayer. And I. So what? And I what are you worried about? Lady, what are you worried about? <laughs> well, because um, I was listening to your statistics at the beginning of the show, and I will say, he has emotional breakdowns. Every few weeks, um, not always with us, sometimes with his girlfriend. And it's over things that really are unexplainable. Um, and I think for him, too, it's unexplainable. Like What's an emotional quite, breakdown? Crying or throwing a major league anger out? Crying, um, both. Um, more often crying, like he, a few weeks ago, just didn't want to get, had a rough night um, crying with his girlfriend over you know, something that didn't make sense and then didn't want to go to school, so it, it was a half day, so I gave him the day off. He but doesn't deal well with stress. To tell me. Yeah, he doesn't, he does not do well with stress. That's correct. He has All a right. learning disability and things, things really have to be on his timing and schedule. Um, and is he manageable so, for you in your house? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. So your concern is what yeah. what do these outbursts indicate his future? What's he was he ever going to unravel so badly he'll self-destruct or he'll do something irreparable? Um I guess it's more like how how do I parent him? He you know, I some of these outbursts are anger towards me for the you know, the therapy session he had to go to so i i have to hold my boundaries 
and not ignore him, but let him have his emotions. And I honestly well, how nasty? Okay, two questions. One, he's seeing a therapist. No, he's not. He okay. he kind of refuses all therapy uh, after uh, that program. <laughs> how nasty um, are his? How nasty are his outbursts? I mean, is he threatening? Is he? Well, the are, last are, one was. Yeah, the last one was a few days ago, and I tell you, his twelve-year-old brother, after it, came out of his room, and I said, "What are you doing?" He was right down the hall, and he said, "I was worried he was going to hit you." He would never hit me. I know he would never, but that's but it's bad enough that his younger brother you know was worried <laughs> and so where's your husband now since then things my husband actually happened to be out of town he's not often <clears throat> well where was. is he with all of this he's we're on the same page um he and i are very much on the same page okay I, I guess and your question very, here mary beth I, th- your situation yeah. is very complex but i guess your question is what do i do with this kid right yeah, with these emotional outbursts. Well, you can't stop them. them. You can't stop them. No. And what what no. seems to me to be is that I don't know and I can't say this, uh, but my guess is, and I'm only basing this upon the fact that I, I've seen so many cases like this, is that as they were happening building back when my guess is they didn't just start when he was 17 they they, they've been building they've always been part of of his dynamic that you probably underestimated what you needed to do to get him under control you let him too much get on a roll correct probably i mean i go back and forth thinking gosh i was really too harsh with him um my younger one is well, again, wait, hold on a second now. You use the word harsh. Nah, again, parents confuse harsh and strong. Harsh can be mean and nasty and lecture, etc., etc., and argument and all that kind of stuff. But strong is a basic way of yeah, saying, I okay. I think it was more harsh than okay. strong. So in other I words, do. it's, it's build up. I'm going to have to let you go here, so I'm running up against a break. But it's build up over the years. And this is yeah. part of his style now, it seems, from what you're describing, that when he gets frustrated and upset, he lets it all hang out. That's it. He lets it all hang out. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there is a definite component of ugliness toward his mother. Um, so mm-hmm. I would imagine that you walk on eggs. I would imagine that you're nervous about saying or doing something or limiting him in some way that he gets really upset. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. given given that, probably what you'll need to do to sit down with your husband and say, okay, what are we going to do to set our conditions for this man's outbursts? What what will our terms be? Can is he allowed to do this in our home? And if he does, what are we going to do about it? Um, because at some point, at some point, he's probably going to force your hand. Um, I'm not. I'm not as confident as you are, just from what you've described, that he won't hit you. All right, when he just gets frustrated, oh, and angry. I, am. I actually nope. am. Okay. okay. No, I'm very confident in that. I know right. his attitude towards that kind of stuff, and uh, he he's very angry at you know, say, social media stars that are like that, and or not angry, but against that kind of thing. And, well, I'm hoping I'm, I'm hoping that's the case. I'm hoping that's the case. But when yeah. somebody melts down with their emotions, reason and rationale goes out the window. 
So I think you need to sit down with your husband. Well, I'm more worried about him hurting him, not hurting himself, but like doing something destructive that would cause him hurt or something. Well, he's know? not going to go to counseling. He refuses. Then you're in a situation to say with your husband, what are we going to do to minimize this pattern of behavior? This is something that okay. in all likelihood will continue. And uh, it sounds like there's uh, there's there's no decline in it. You're not saying, well, he's getting better. He's getting better. No, these are these are unpredictable outbursts. And who knows what frustrations set him off? He's got a girlfriend. God forbid she breaks up with him. What's he going to react like? So, so, give, so, so given all that, you've got to sit down with your husband and say, okay, this is what's facing us when this kid is 17. Now, I'll tell you where I'm at. Now, I'm not telling you to do this, but this is what I would do. When my kids got to be 18, I was in a position where that if you would do anything like this, and my kids didn't, but if you would, we would seriously consider you not living here. But that's me. Right. That's me. I'm not I'm not going to put up with those kinds of ugly outbursts from someone who is now old enough, at least according to the law, to not be under my under my rule. All right, Mary Beth, I got to run. I'm sorry, honey, I got to run. I'm way past break. But but thank you for the call. This is Dr. Ray. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. Do you have a bad temper? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. From the Old to the New Testament, Scripture speaks about us controlling our anger. Proverbs states that those of us with a hasty temper will make mistakes. We also know anger issues can lead to health issues. We can cause a fight, lose a friend, or witness to others in ways that are unproductive. Mayo Clinic suggests some ways to manage our anger and dial down the temperature of our anger. Practice deep breathing, maybe a personal timeout. Think before speaking. Calm down before discussing a concern. This will lead to less stress. Identify solutions and present them calmly. Try using humor or laugh at yourself. Humor can be a great diffuser. Most of all, if you have persistent anger issues at work or at home, don't be afraid to seek help. For more details on managing anger, look for the Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. statistics in the opening monologue, and I know that many of you did not hear it because, obviously, radio listeners come and go. That's the nature of listening to a radio program, especially a a talk radio program. But when I gave those statistics, they reflect 
sadly, what is going on in our culture? That we have uh, a high percentage of adversarial relations between parent and child. For most of human history, this was not the case. And in, in many other cultures, it's not the case. This kind of adversarial, I'm going to fight you, I'm going to resist you, I'm going to be angry at you, I'm going to have outbursts towards you, beginning even at age six, seven, eight, nine. This kind of thing is quite, quite unusual. But we've, we've lived with it for some decades now, as it's been building, and particularly so in the last 20, 30 years. It's it's something that is not normal in the se- in the sense that <clears throat> if you know anything about other cultures, you know anything about other times and places. This this kind of friction, ah, that's a mild word. Antipathy, hostility, malice that many children, especially as they get older, have toward their parents is it's rather significant i see it i mean it's been something i've been dealing with for for quite some time in the office and what typically happens this may be a reflection of of something mary beth was talking about what typically happens is if it doesn't subside if it if maturity doesn't kick in somehow some way as this young person becomes 20, 21, 22, 23, the parent is no longer able to live under those conditions. And the fear of what will happen if we say you cannot live here acting that way uh, is overwhelmed by the sheer struggles of living that way. It's not unusual for parents to say to me, well, we put up with it because I don't know where he'll land. I don't know what he'll do. I don't know how he'll survive. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm worried. It's not unusual for them to say that for the first two, three, four, five years. And then at some point, many of them say, I can no longer do this. Um, and of course, they feel guilty. They feel wretched. They feel like I, I failed. I've screwed up. I, I wouldn't go so far as to automatically say that I think that what you're witnessing is a culture that is raising our children right underneath our noses and you have to be much more aware of it you have to be much more vigilant of it uh, and to put in a put in a book plug I've written a book called raising upright kids in an upside down world which deals with the idea that you have to stand strong against this culture it'll sweep your kids away Thank you for joining me here. Dr. Ray, appreciate the company. Andrew Kruchek, Eric Dumont, and you. Walk with God, like Dr. Max said. Keep your eyes full of life. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.